Hello, everybody. This is the Nate Larson radio show. I have a very special guest. Um, I might get canceled today um, by my own doing, not Shannon's doing, but um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping for that some days, you know. Um, uh, but uh, without further ado, this is Shannon McNamara. She is the host of the Fluently Forward podcast, one of my favorite TikTokers, and I love her Instagram. I think she's just great. And we have a lot to get into today, um, but uh, please um, introduce yourself, Shannon. Yeah, well, th- that was you really puffed up my feather, so I appreciate that. Yeah, I um, host Fluently Forward, and we talk about entertainment, celebrities, uh, pop culture, conspiracy theories sometimes, and kind of like a, a web of all of them together. Yeah, and I, you know, what we do have in common is we, you're on anti lawyers who is a, a friend of mine. I've, I've been on his podcast before. Yeah. Um, he has a great, great website called crazydaysandnights.net. Is it .net or .com? I think it's .net. Yes, it's .net. That's always stayed with me. And I'm curious, like, how you first heard about the website. Well, I have to um, give a shout out to the original gawker.com. Mm. Um, because I feel like I, this is, this is back almost like 10 years ago, but I was right in the middle of, you know, my journey of uh, wanting to be in the entertainment business. And I, 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 cause the thing people may not know. And I tell people is like, when you're, when you're sort of on the cusp of things, you hear a lot of uh, blind items or a lot of stories that aren't in the uh, public consciousness yet. Yeah. And I feel like Gawker was one of the first sites to put that, that kind of information out there Definitely. before like it was in um, like the New York post or something, or even like the tabloids. Like I remember at the time before um, Clive Davis came out, um, I had somebody I was working with was talking about him saying, saying some, I guess not nice things. And he was like, Oh, you know, his name is um, uh, Betty or something. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, Oh, Oh, he's uh Yeah. That's that's his name in like the office. Everybody calls him that. I was like, okay, but that was before you know he wrote his book and stuff. But you hear these kind of stories, and then I forget how I got um, on Gawker, but I was like, oh, this is great actual reporting um, in an era of like TMZ and stuff, where they were just I felt like they were hounding these people, and um, this was like, oh, they're really breaking through to real reporting. And then from I think they they had some of Inti's blind items, and then I discovered him on there, and then. Uh, years later, um, I was on his podcast and, and, um, he has a great website and podcast as well. And then, um, you've been a guest on there a bunch of times. Yeah. I mean, I've um, been a long time reader of his website too, for, I think probably like eight years or something. And it's funny, like you were saying, right? Like when you're on the fringe of stuff, when you start reading about blind items, you know, everyone has this idea of, a celebrity that you see on the red carpet and what they say in an interview. But once you start reading blind items and everything like that, it just kind of adds like a second skin to everything. And I just feel like whenever you discover blind items, you don't go back from it, you know, instead you just keep reading it forever. No, it's kind of like, you know, I was reading your um, bio and I, I love to see that you have a a history in improv Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's sort of a, a thorough line with a joke or performing comedy and a um, blind item because you're solving a puzzle. Yeah, you know, I've you never thought that? of it that way, but it's it's definitely very true. There's a lot 
I think in both, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot that's unsaid, uh, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to celebrities and it's kind of on you to, you know, be smart and figure out what's going on. Like I always find it interesting when celebrity divorce rates are through the roof, but nobody's going to say that they're cheating. That has to be for you to infer. And celebrities are always going to rehab, but nobody's going to say that they're on drugs that very Tuesday when you see them, that has to be for you to infer. So I think that, yeah, both with improv, and I haven't thought of that before, but with improv and celebrity gossip, you kind of have to be like, well, if this is true, then like I could see this also being true and go from there. Yes. And one of my favorite things you point out, and I, I love the TikTok um, you put out is is the thing of, uh, where PR people say they're very much in love. <laughs> yes. So they'll have, a, they'll have a, it's probably the most common PR statement I've seen. And you pointed it out and I was howling because, um, you know, growing up was like, I was like in the golden age of my mom would buy tabloids and I would read through them. And, and even back then in like the early 2000s, it was, Oh, they, they were seen at, I don't know, I'm dating myself at Spago or the Ivy and they were, yeah. they've seen very much in love. And it's, that is, a, a, you think they would update that phrase, but they haven't. And it's just, it's, it's very funny to me because you, you can see the little, um, the web that these publicists, um, weave with that statement and, and it's very humorous. To it's me. so odd. And I was talking to my friend yesterday too, and I forget which couple of, oh i think i was reading you know a piece from people magazine about nina dobrev and sean white and they were saying in the early stages of dating they're really liking uh they're really enjoying getting to know each other and taking things slow and i just think with me and my friends when we've been in the early stages of dating guys never in my life have i ever said we're enjoying getting to know each other and taking things slow like it's just always the same canned response from a source mm-hmm. and it wasn't until years ago that i realized you know, I just always grew up looking at those tabloid magazines and going, the source, it must be their best friend or their cousin or, you know, no, it's not. It's their publicist. It always is, you know, right. it's so obvious. Now with the Kardashians, I always picture Kris Jenner when it says a source said, I always just picture her <laughs> with the sunglasses like yeah. on the phone, like, look, Harvey, get on the horn. I, I did those favors for you. You got to, you got to put the statement out, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. I don't even know if they need a public. I think it's just her. She's just so, uh, I guess, tenacious, you know, a hundred percent. And they really, the Kardashians really have such a, um, handle on the tabloid magazines. I think we've seen that recently with everything that Ray J said about the sex tape. It's only being covered by people on Twitter, by, you know, I don't know, other creators I see on TikTok, I'm not really seeing any articles reported and I'm sure the Kardashians are trying to, you know, stifle it. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they're like, shut it down, shut it down. But I saw, on, it was on TMZ today and I was kind of shocked the extent that um, they were reporting on it because it was very in-depth and oh, went through like, all the receipts. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I was, maybe they had a fall, maybe Harvey and, and Chris had a falling out and I don't know, it was very surprising um but you know like i always said like if, you know, and I'm, I'm i'm not saying it's from a judgmental place but legally speaking if there's something uh i don't want out there it, it doesn't take long to pull it down and you know i think of the vanessa hudgens situation years ago where she said um pictures leaked out and she said they were her when she was underage and you not that you should look for them, but I don't think you can find them because they're not legal to own or distribute. You know, you get obscenity charges or, or whatever, but that's my whole thing with it. I don't really have that much of a problem with, 
the Kardashians. I just feel like there's no reason to really lie because I don't think people would care. You know, they're interested in you. You don't have to keep this charade going, right? Yeah, exactly. Especially uh, where they are at now. I one day I know that Chris Jenner I think is teaching a masterclass on marketing, but you know she's not actually giving away her true secrets. Which, like, if she did, I would pay so much money to take that course because she really did turn this entire family into a household name off of one very Absolutely. mediocre sex tape, which I haven't seen anyone else do it before. So it is it is talent. Yeah, I mean, I know um, Nancy's talked about it and other people that, you know, when she met Bruce, uh, I guess it was Bruce at the time. I'm not misgendering anybody. Um, when she got with Bruce, he was almost broke because he had been divorced from Linda Thompson and um, all these people. And she was like, all right, we're going to get out there. You're going to do speaking engagements, 30 grand a pop. And he turned his life around financially and um, say what she wanted about her, but she, like I said, is tenacious. And, um, you know, I think uh, she's a very smart woman, so hats off to her. But yeah, I don't think that, I don't think um, there needs to be this whole, uh, like I said, charade of, uh, like, I don't know if deceit is the right word, but yeah, let's just be honest and open about. Or at least like, I think claiming, things. I think claiming victimhood when it you know, is the complete opposite is something that people find distasteful. Mm -hmm. Cause I think there's a lot of celebrities, you know, they, they will lie about their Photoshop or they'll say that they're not doing drugs or drinking or driving, but there is something. And I think this is, you know, obviously why Ray J spoke about it, where it wasn't a victimless crime, you know, cause before it was Kim saying, Oh my God, this sex tape is so horrible. And that's one thing to do, but it was in the new season where she goes and is Ray J and his manager threatening to release a second tape? And I think that was when the boiling point was like, okay, like you can use this for your own advantage. But the minute you say that I'm trying to use something against you, you know, that's where it gets a little bit hairy. But, you know, I go back and forth on the Kardashians because I really am not a fan of them. But at the same point, they're kind of right. everything I want in a celebrity. Like I do want a little mm -hmm. bit of anger. I want a lot of entertainment. And I think, I don't know, I think we kind of need it as a society to like function. We, yeah, I mean, and I do miss the, the Courtney, uh, no, Chloe Kardashian show where she was like the fitness guru. Revenge you body. E? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because for someone who loved, um, I don't know if you remember the show, what was it called? Um, Celebrity Fit Club. Oh, I never heard of Did that. You ever see oh my gosh. They would get these celebrities. Um, I had AJ Benz on the show and he talked about it when he was on there, but they would have these CD uh, sometimes B list celebrities and they would all be like in a um, camp somewhere and they'd all have to lose weight for, I think they said charity, but I, I don't think it was charity. Okay. And, um, and it was, it was kind of like that. And famously, um, I don't know if you ever watched the Sopranos, but the, the actor who played Vito was on the show, lost a lot of weight. And they wrote that storyline into the season where he came back then. Ah. And, um, you know, so, I mean, that was one of my, that was really, to me, if they could bring back one reality, there's two reality shows I wish they would bring back that one. And I loved um, Kathy Griffin's My Life on the D-List. I thought that was the greatest yeah. uh, show. I like when somebody's um, already a celebrity and then you bring them into a reality show, you know, like... I mean, this isn't the best example, but Dancing with the Stars, like it's one thing mm -hmm. to create a reality TV show that then breeds celebrities. But when you start with the show and then you bring the celebrities in to see a different side of them, it's just 
you know, what's that quote from Mean Girls? It's like seeing a dog walk on its hind legs. It's it's fun. Like I want to see Joe Biden cooking on Top Chef because I've never seen that side of him before. So it's it's a fun thing to right. play with. Yeah, and I I think um, that's I think the medium of reality is so it's it's it can expand more because it uh, it needs to come out of the box a little bit. I think because you are dealing with people that especially when you have famous people on these shows, I think you can, um, you can really delve into what they're really like, you know? And I, I didn't watch the Jennifer Lopez documentary. I heard it was kind of not very, um, flattering of her. Mm, okay. I haven't seen it, but I ha- that I makes me want to watch um, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's on my, it's in my queue. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, it, that does make it interesting. I, now, People that haven't listened to your podcast, and I'm going to plug it in because it's one of my favorites, Fluently Forward. Um, and you also have a Patreon, right? Yeah, we just started like three weeks ago. Okay. And um, I am a patron, and I'm excited Yay, to thank you. listen. Yeah, of course. Um, people that haven't listened, um, you are... Would you call yourself a Taylor Swift, like a super fan? Is that accurate? Yeah, I think if I had to pick, because, you know, I always like asking people who's your number one celebrity or person you know the most about. I think for me, it would definitely be Taylor. Who's yours? Oh, gosh. Well, I have a, I, I find Prince really fascinating. Yeah, that's a good one. Because I just picture him like floating in a room and there's like smoke. And he's um, also one of those I people, find... too, where every single person who's met him in person it's, you know, the Bill Clinton effect. I'm forgetting her name, but Jeff Bezos's girlfriend. There are a few people that you hear of and they're like, their presence is just, it feels otherworldly when you're in the room with them. And I've heard so many right, stories yeah. about Prince. The atmosphere yeah. changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that does fascinate me. Cause I, I know when I was, I was talking to, um, he was, he was a, a label executive and we were talking and he was saying, you know, there's something that happens with, especially musicians but also actors when they know they're supposed to they're stepping into their own they're coming into their own and they break through something happens in their core in their dna i cannot explain it uh je ne sais quoi i don't know but there the there something comes out of them and it, it really is like at the cellular level and you're like oh they're a star or, and that kind of thing always interests me oh, you even know? you just saying that like is giving me like goosebumps you know there's there's it's something exciting. very yeah. special about that and it's funny too because mm-hmm. i feel like i've always thought harry styles has been trying to do that but i'm not like seeing it happen yet but there's that like john mayer playing a long guitar solo there's just some artists where you see them doing i don't know a certain performance or something like that and you're like oh it just fits for them right now. Like that's exactly a friend of mine was saying too, speaking of Taylor Swift, um, mm-hmm. I think this was Claire Parker from celebrity memoir book club. She was saying that there's so many different eras that Taylor Swift has done, right? The folklore um, cottage in the woods. And then the 1989 skinny in New York, and then the fearless <laughs> country. And there's been so many eras that it's kind of at a point now where it's like, who is Taylor Swift. Like if she didn't have an album coming out, what clothes would she wear? What music would she make? You know, is there one thing that she likes Mm -hmm. or do people just reinvent themselves to have people buy albums? I feel like with Taylor and I'm a fan, I don't, I have nothing bad to say about Taylor Swift. I think she gets it in terms of, um, I never heard a bad story about her either. People that work with her that I know, but yeah, uh, the thing I like about her the most, besides her talent, is how she treats her fans. I think she gets 
um, the responsibility of being in the position she's in. And I think that's refreshing because not everybody does. And we're going to get to Nicki Minaj in a minute. I have that on my notes, yeah. but um, did it, did you watch the yeah. Emmys last night? Because I I found it very interesting. You know, I watched maybe half of it, but yeah, I remember Taylor from the very start was always so thoughtful in her award speeches by thanking the fans. You know, you'll mm-hmm. never see a speech of hers where she doesn't include the fans, and typically it's right at the beginning and. You're right. I mean, I think that's also, I think that's why there's a very parasocial relationship that a lot of people have with Taylor Swift, but it's also really important because I don't like it when somebody gets up and they just thank the Academy only, you know, like your show is only popular because of the individuals who watched it at home on their couch. And I feel like a lot of celebrities forget about that. Right. And um, yeah, she, and she's, I find her very smart and she gets it. And I think you were talking about her reinventing herself. I think because she, has that relationship with her fans and they'll go on the journey with her. Um, she can uh, reinvent herself, but people will trust that it will work. And so like, sort of like Madonna, but different because Madonna, you expect it. And she, I don't think she does have, people love her, but I don't think she has that same relationship with her fans. Yeah, I think she's a little more sta- standoffish, you know, but with Taylor, it's like, okay, we trust you. We support you. We're going to go on this journey with you. And I, I think that's, she has, I guess I would say a luxury that maybe other artists don't have, but it's earned. It's not like she just demands it from people, you know? Oh, it's completely earned. And she has really like kept us well fed these past couple of years, like putting out those two surprise albums, you know, when everybody was at home, like she just, I mean, nobody can say that Taylor Swift doesn't work her ass off. No. And um, so, you know, like I said, I'm not going to say anything. You won't hear me say anything about her that's not um complimentary um you know i do have a taylor swift story i don't know if it's i don't know if it's good so if if you tell me if it's boring and and i'll cut it out (laughs) okay um okay so when i was first starting out you know when you're first starting out in music there's no blueprint really there's sort of maybe more of one now but when I started, there wasn't one. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I know I want to be a performer. I want to be a singer, but I really don't know where to start. And I had sort of a demo, um, but it was like cover songs and I didn't know where to go. And I was like, I don't know. This is so random. So my, my neighbor in Florida was like, Oh, uh, talk to, he was talking to my dad and he said, Oh, Jeff, your son wants to be a singer. You know, my, um, my best friend in college, this is so random. My best friend in college is uh, 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 something. Uh, yeah, I think her name is Taylor uh, Swift. And um, he's my best friend. He's a real hard ass. But his daughter's really good. And she does country, I think. And um, I'm going to have you talk to him on the phone. And maybe he can give you some advice, mm. right? And my dad was like, do you know this Taylor? So I was like, yeah. And this is before she broke. She uh, had her crossover success. Yeah. So I think I knew like Tim McGraw. I really more knew of her, but I knew, I knew like Tim McGraw too, or something like guitar. Um, Cause my sister's in the country more, uh, knew more. I know more country now, but at the time I, I knew more R and B hip hop. And so my dad got on the phone and he could not, her dad could not have been nicer. Scott, Scott, great Swift, right? Scott yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you know, my dad is um, in finance and her dad is in finance. Yeah. And so they just hit off and he was very helpful and said, look, Nate needs to 
get a, does he have a website? No. Okay. Get a website, do this, do that. Um, was very helpful in helping me kind of start my path. So I, I feel very, uh, very able to him. He didn't have to talk to my dad on the phone, you know? So, yeah, no, it's always, it's, I think it's a real show of character when someone does that. And my brother, I'll have to get the full story from him, but a couple of years ago, he was on a boat with um, Taylor Swift's father and they talked and they were just talking about, I think like, I don't know, politics and life. And he said he was like the nicest guy, just like a regular, nice down to earth type of guy. And I think he gets, um, I think he gets the villain arc a lot, which is interesting because I think everyone knows Taylor is a lot closer to her mother. And I think her parents quietly mm -hmm. divorced a few years back. Um, and there were a few clips in the Miss Americana documentary that kind of painted him not in a great light, like not wanting her to, speak out politically and things like that. Um, but, you know, I do always wonder, once again, there's two sides to every story. And I remember in that documentary, he was saying, if you speak out politically, I'm nervous about your safety because, you know, I work a lot with the security detail and, and you know, she's had a lot of stalkers. And I can't even fathom what it's like to be the parents of someone who's probably the number one pop star in the world. It must just be crazy. And it seems like they've really been there for her every single step along the way, which is really nice. Yeah. And I, I think too, when you've worked so hard for something and that's your, that's your child, you know, I would do anything for my kids. So um, I know that's, that sounds cliche, but I would. And I think when, when you've, and I know they sacrificed maybe uh, in different ways, like every parent does. And I think that, you know, they, when when you reach that success, you you are fearful of okay, what if it could go away? Because it can go away tomorrow. I mean, nothing's promised in this life, at least. So, I I think there's some of that. And then who knows what you have publicists, managers, um, label people in your ear saying crazy things that you're like, when you have some like uh, time away from that, you're like, wait a minute, nobody really knows anything. So I you have to do what I feel is right at the end of the day. I think that's, that's, I think that's really what happened more than anything. I don't think her dad was like, don't say anything. Don't not be who you are or whatever the, I went on the whole, um, on a Reddit. I didn't realize, uh, there was a whole Reddit, Taylor Swift, all these different subreddits and conspiracy theories. And did you know that, um, Taylor, uh, endorses chemtrails and all this stuff? <laughs> I didn't know there was, you know, I really didn't know. I mean, I, I knew some of the things, but I was like, wow. I didn't I, even, I thought I was pretty well aligned on Taylor Swift conspiracy theories. I didn't know about the chemtrails thing. Were they like, no, I, I'm, I'm, oh, okay. I'm kidding about that. I'm kidding about that. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, uh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I had someone tell me one time, they're like, okay, look, you can't have, they, they because they, people are trying to figure, okay, how do we make this person successful? That's their job, right? Whether it's the publicist, the manager, the road manager, all the way down to the tour bus driver, you know, I mean, it, they're all trying, they're, you're hiring them to help you. And if they run out of things to do, then they just start microanalyzing you. Yeah. And I had a publicist one time and she was like, okay, you can't cut your hair any shorter because that's too industrial. We have to grow it out. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know, people don't know any, you know, as much as people know, they don't know. I know. So I feel like maybe and it is fascinating too. I also think too, it's it's there's so many moments where it's very, you know, Steve Jobs with the iPad, nobody wanted mm -hmm. it, but he made it and then everybody started to want it. I think a lot when it comes to public perception about um 
singers and artists who have done weird stuff with their hair. So like Melanie Mar Martinez with, you know, her two sides of her hair, different colors or Billie Eilish with those green strands. And it's always something where when it happens, people go, oh yeah, that's the singer with like the weird hair. I don't like that. Well, that's what makes you think of them. You know, that kind of brands you right. there. It's someone saying, oh, I don't like their hair, but their hair is what makes you think of them. So I think of things like that, for example, like I think Madison Beer has potential to be such an incredible pop star, but I think, imagine if she shaved her head or something, maybe that would really launch right. her in there. So I think a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't want my artist to look like this, or I don't want them to do that. But when they do it, you go nuts for it. So sometimes we don't even know what we want and what we're drawn to. It's, it's something subconscious. It is the Steve Jobs theory. I think you have to show people what they want because they, nobody knows. Sometimes you know, but a lot of times you don't know until you see it, right? Yeah. The, the problem I think comes, comes in is where you have money on the line, you had millions of dollars in album budgets. I think that's, you know, but art isn't anything without risk. So it, it, it's very um, finicky. Do you think that there uh, are a lot of, cause people talk about um, industry plants in the music industry. Mm -hmm. What percentage would you say of people that you've met and known of in the music industry are true artists who care about the craft versus you know, maybe a Disney star who has an okay voice and they were like, let's just get a couple albums out. Well, from my point of view, you know, and I understand because gosh, it's very, it is the hardest road to, to be in the music industry. I mean, I've been in it since I wanted to be a singer most of my life and I'm in my thirties now. And I've just now sort of found success with this podcast and um, being an independent artist, um, luckily that was something my manager pushed. He was like, do not get tied up in these mega label things because it won't serve you. And he always pushed for me to have a, like a joint venture, like um, what Taylor's doing now. I think she's with, I wanna say she's with Warner Brothers. I'm not hundred percent on that. I gotta be honest, after the whole Scooter Braun thing, I, I forget where yeah, she ended up going. I think, I think she's with, she's with, she, I think she was, cause she was with big machine and I think they were, Univers I want to say she's with, she's with a big, um, but essentially she owns her masters and it's a joint venture. So it's like, okay, I own my stuff and you, and I basically, she has a distribution deal and, and that, and then that's, that's going to be the future. But, um, and as far as industry plants go, I haven't seen that many because it takes so much sacrifice to get anywhere that you have to love it, yeah. you know? There's examples, but even like people point to Olivia Rodrigo being an industry plant, but- Oh, she loves been, it. You can tell she loves it. But she's been doing it since she was so young, yeah. you know? Well, I think there's also so, some people like, um, I guess like Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber, where mm -hmm. they had albums out, they were touring, and now it's kind of hard to tell you know, Justin Bieber recently canceled his tour. Is that because he hates touring or is that because maybe the idea of music has kind of been muddied in the water for him? And then you have people like Selena Gomez and Harry Styles who keep trying to get on over to acting. Um, so I think for me, sometimes it's hard to tell, like, you know, is touring and being famous at that level just exhausting? So you want something different or does the passion run out or were you always looking to kind of jump to a different area? It's, it's hard for me to get a handle on that. Right. I think, and there's a third line I see with, and I don't like Scooter Braun. I'll just say that. Yeah. I don't hear any, I don't hear anything good about him. 
Um, what can I ask? What uh, do you hear about him? Like, I hear that he just overworks his clients. Yes, I think he is exploitive. I'll just put it that mm. way. And the thing he did, I don't like the the moves he made with Taylor. And and you can probably explain it better than me. So I'll ask you. But didn't didn't he fund the the purchase of her catalog with like dirty money from like uh, uh, war profiteering uh, companies or something like that? Oh, I didn't I... know about that. But I did know that it was definitely a deal that they did not want Taylor to know about. So like, it, it definitely wasn't above board in my opinion. I, I want to say he, it was some finance company. He, cause he didn't have that capital himself. Yeah. And he joined with this company who I think they essentially made rockets or something. Um, something like that. And I, it sounds like a conspiracy thing, but it's not. Yeah. But yeah. So I, do you really want something that bad that you're going to, you know what I mean? Oh, so Maybe. and it's like it's also like sick too. You know, it's like it, he very obviously did that because he knew that Taylor, like she had said before, like we were not on good terms. You know, so you can tell it just comes from such an insidious, creepy little place. Right, and I don't have to say I don't have to say anything defamatory about him, but look, because it, the, the evidence is there. Okay, you got Ariana. She went through some trauma with the Manchester bombing. She does not want to tour. I get why. Mm -hmm. It would just it would trigger me too. So I understand. Yeah. Um, and she's one of my favorite singers. So you have her. Demi, I just saw on Instagram was like, I'm not gonna tour ever again. She's like on her second or third show in, in um Latin America. Justin doesn't want to tour. What does that say? And you know the, I, I mean? think the fact that like all of them too have been like crying on stage, just like you can tell physically exhausted. Um which is, yeah, yeah I, which is just crazy. And I, I think Justin, from what I hear, has been through a lot of just awful things in his personal life, mm -hmm. really traumatic things. Um, I've, I've talked about it with people. I can't really get into it 100%. But if what I've heard is true, it just makes sense. Like, oh, no, no, no. He needs to deal with that. You know, I think Demi, obviously the same thing. She's awful things. So if I were, if I were a Scooter Braun, I would, I would, what is money if I lose, if the, they're people at the end of the day, you know, so I have to pull them aside and they have to get well, or they're not going to, you're not going to make number one, they're not gonna make money, but you're responsible for them. You're taking, I don't know his deals, but let's say he takes 15% of the gross of what they make every year. Well, what's 15% of zero, but then they're also people you're responsible for. And in theory, you should care about them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I just have, yeah. I have a big, big problem with that. And I think the, all three, so, I think Justin, Ariana, and Demi are all three people where if I had to swap, you know, mental headspace with any three of them, I'd be like, no, thank you to that deal. I prefer my mental headspace. And then you just have to wonder too, like what, what was their mental health and their life like before Scooter versus after? I don't think it got better for any of them. Three out of three, I think it all got worse. Right. And so I, I've heard that, um, I, I don't know if you heard, but I think Ariana is kind of wavering. Like, should I, should not I stay or no? Me? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think she's, you know, and now he must have, I think he must be like the governor of California or something. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's like, that's the last, yeah. You can't handle three people's emotional <laughs> uh state I, I wouldn't entrust you with california 100 100 okay? yeah um so you know i i i just and and also i my thing is because like when i first started my first um i did like a mall tour like tiffany 
in the eighties. And, um, I was on tour with this, uh, girl group, Chelsea and Cameron, and they were nice as they could be, but I just saw how men were towards them mm. and they were, they were 18, 19. Um, and it's just so, so gross. And I, I, I was very protective of them. Like, you know, it, we would do like autograph signings and, and like guys would like leer at them and they weren't, they weren't even dressed, you know, like inappropriately or anything, but not that that matters, but, um, even if they were, but, uh, you know, I just, I, I'm, I just feel like if my daughter or my son were like that, I want to be in the entertainment industry and I had the ability to like, I don't know, um, get rid of all the scourge, all the inappropriateness. I, I, I would, and I can. And when people ask me, I, I try to shine a light in the, in the dark as much as I can, because I know you, you work in the corporate world and there's HR. So why should, why should it be different in the entertainment industry? You know, that's yeah. the way I see and, and I think the creepy thing is, you know, it's great to have HR at companies, but then it's also a little bit of that situation where sometimes they do want to protect the company at the end of the day. And you've just hear so many, so many stories, especially with Jeanette McCurdy's recent memoir out about her times at, mm -hmm. um, I was going to say Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, even if something happens, people aren't, actually protected. You know what I mean? I just think yeah, the I, worst place for a kid to be would have to be in Hollywood and not even a kid, you know, 18 year olds, even with Harvey Weinstein too. These were women in their twenties, sometimes thirties. So I just think, um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting too. And it's funny because celebrity gossip and tabloid rumors, they seem like such a low brow topic, but I really am interested in the psychology of it. Like what happens when you give someone millions of dollars and hand them a shiny Oscars trophy and say that they're the biggest genius you've ever met in your life and they're surrounded by beautiful people. Do they do good things? Uh, like probably 99 out of 100 times they don't. And it's like, okay, why? Does that mean that we're evil? Does that mean that power corrupts? Does that mean that there's something in the water in LA? Like what? what's the reason for it? Right, and you know, um, I have seen behavior uh, people that, you know, uh, when I first started there, I had an entertainment lawyer who, because I'm from Orlando, his, his whole claim to fame was, um, he was Mandy Moore's lawyer, mm. entertainment lawyer. And so he was like, okay, why don't you meet this guy in LA, blah, blah, blah. And, and let me tell you, when I, when you talk about the atmosphere changing in terms of someone being a star or someone manifesting their creativity or their greatness, um, I feel like we need to warn people when they see the opposite, where they see just creepy behavior, evil um, people and, and just trust your instinct. Because I think the entertainment industry, you're talking, Oh no, they're okay. Or what go the other way. Cause they're, you know, there's, they're just one person. They're not going to make or break you. Um, the person I was supposed to work with, I got a creepy vibe from. And then this um, I was in, I say studio, but it was an apartment. And then the, the, the rapper I was working with, I just sat on the bed and he looked at me. He's like, oh, no, no, no. You don't sit on his bed, homeboy. That's his bed. And I'm like, I got a vibe that there was more going on between this person and the rapper. Like, yeah, um, like it was like a pay for play kind of thing. And I it creeped me out. And I just, you know, I didn't end up working with the guy. And um, thankfully, you know, I, thankfully I had parents that were very hands-on and my mom was, is my manager and was like, 
we got to get out of here because this is just not, I don't know why this guy would recommend this guy. And then looking back, I think maybe they had some kind of relationship. Yeah. It just gets very insidious, very, because that's the other thing. It's such a small industry, as you know. I mean, it's very small. Well, it's a small industry. Um, and also at the end of the day, it's an industry, right? So I think I get right. a lot of, you know, crap from people. Sometimes they're like, you talk too much about conspiracy theories. Like not everything is evil. And, you know, of course not everything is, but for example, child abuse in the industry, right? Mm. My, I had a groomer high school teacher growing up. We actually had two groomers in our high school and we went to like a very well regarded high school. Everyone mm -hmm. I know to had a creepy English history or gym teacher, everyone I know. So if that happened in our high school, what makes you think that when you give someone millions of dollars and power in Hollywood and surround them with children in a job working with children that they chose to do, there's going to be no creeps there. It's not going to happen. Right. If I've been sexually harassed by bosses before at a tech job, what makes you think that nobody's sexually harassing anyone in Hollywood where they have power? And, you know, it's just all of these things. And I think a lot of people, this idea of um, yachting or casting couches, it's it's born to people and they don't want to believe that it exists. So they, you know, think that they don't. And maybe that's what you're saying, right? When people don't mm -hmm. listen to their gut because they're like, I don't want this to be true. Nobody talks about it being true. So how could it be true? But I completely right. believe that stuff happens there, like 100%. No question. Yeah. No question. Absolutely. You know, because it's it, 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 it's so easy to cor corrupt a person. Let's say they're from anywhere USA. You know, so, the flyover states is people. I hate when people say that. But um, somewhere, I don't know, middle America or the South or the Midwest, and they come to, and they have the talent. You know, maybe they took acting classes and they got their headshots and, and they have something and they get to LA or New York and um, you know, they get to a point where if I just get this role on, I don't know, maybe uh, Law & Order um, SVU, but let's say the casting director is a creepy guy or woman, you know, I'm not, that, I know that happens too. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe they feel like, okay, they know they have, it's like a, a, a predatory behavior. So they know, okay, I can prey on this person. And, um, I hope that, uh, it doesn't happen as much, but I'm, I'm sure it's, I, I'm positive it still does. And, uh, I just, I, I think hopefully it's just less and, and, you know, weak, uh, people have their wits about them and, and just say, no, cause that's not, it's not happening. And, they can avoid that. Yeah. It's just, I mean, there's it's, a, it's heartbreaking to me. It is. And there's a benefit to social media, right? Like I think a lot of stuff that's happening nowadays, um, you know, granted it's not going to be the same if it's just like you on your Twitter account and you don't have the New York mm -hmm. times behind you or anything like that. But it is creepy because at the end of the day, it's that supply and demand where you hear of these um, girls and like K-pop bands being completely worked to the bone and passing out during rehearsals but they know that if they leave the band, there's thousands of girls ready to take their place the next day. And you must right. feel that way as, you know, a, a musician or an mm -hmm. actress in Hollywood, just knowing, okay, am I get, do I feel someone's creepy eyeballs on me in this audition? Yes. But I waited two hours for it and there's 700 girls lined up. So like, if I don't get it, someone else will. So like, should I walk away? I could imagine it would be such a moral conflict. Right. And if people are listening and they, they have that quandary, I would just tell them that you have the talent anyway, there will be other auditions. And, and the thing I don't, one thing I do want to say, and I, I know you'll agree with me is there are a lot of predators, a lot of awful people 
in any industry, not just the entertainment industry, but there's also enough great people that when you meet them, you know, hold them close, hold them dear, and and you can you can get where you need to go because and those are the people you need to hold on to because as as there aren't as many great people, it doesn't it's not like fifty fifty, but there's enough, you know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I mean, I'll the, the gut that. feeling goes both ways, right? It goes off when something's mm-hmm. wrong, but it also goes off when something's right. Right, and um, you know, it's like Oprah always said. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. It, it goes, it goes both ways, you know. Yeah. And I know. Um, do you want to talk about Oprah? Well, I need to dig a little bit more into Oprah, but like, I mean, I've been seeing the blind items on NT's website for a mm-hmm. while, and you know, I have to believe it, especially after everything that happened with Ellen and just just the nature of how what's it, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think if you're someone right. who's so big that you only need one name. And you've been known as a one name household name for the last 20 years. Once again, you just have to go down to what are the odds that that person hasn't been corrupted by power and they've stayed like perfectly fine for that long. I, I have a theory. I, I want to know what you think, mm-hmm. because I, I've listened to a lot of interviews I, and I, I respect Oprah a lot because I know she comes from, I think, Mississippi. Um, very, very improvised. Um, it might not be mis- it's uh, yeah, in the I South. I where I she that. comes from, but I remember reading a little bit about her life growing up and just how horrifically mm-hmm. she was abused and like the, the circumstances right. she came through are unimaginable. And I feel like some of the people she aligns herself with because she was abused, perhaps maybe she doesn't realize because I don't know if Gail's telling her or whatever, they may be predatory in terms of using her as like a, a gateway to, uh, you know what I mean? Using her as clout to do things she may not even know about. Mm. And maybe there's sort of a, she doesn't even realize it's just history repeating itself. That's my theory. Like, may, like I know she's friends with people and goes on their yachts that I know are very uh, suspicious, you know? Yeah, no, that's um, a good theory though. Cause you're right. I do think that the, the circumstances that you were raised in, right. You kind of get used to that mm. or, you know, you're, you're, uh, I don't know, I guess like willingness to be around it and accept it is just always going to be right. a little bit skewed if you've never known anything different. Right. And there has to be, I know she's done a lot of work, a lot of therapy. Um, I can't imagine what she went through as a child, but I feel like if there are people she knows, and it's not just Oprah, but if there are people that maybe she knows that are that are predatory in some way, not to her, maybe to other people, maybe they see that vulnerable little girl in her still and and they can kind of, you know, manipulate her in a way, you know, I don't know if it's so much Oprah and the thing of like Oprah abuse children. And so, that's crazy. I don't think that's, yeah, it's, it's certain things where like, possible. I'm sure that maybe she, you know, went to an event and was rubbing elbows with, you know, Harvey Weinstein or God knows maybe even Jeffrey right. Epstein back in the day, right. All these big wigs were around each other, but when it gets really pewy mm-hmm. and it's like, she's like sacrificing children. I'm like, all right, I'm going to like pull off at the exit here. Cause you know, I believe some of the yeah, stuff. I'm like, all right. Not all. Yeah. 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 That's kind of the adrenochrome and all that. Yes. Um, Which wouldn't it be nice yeah, if that like, existed? I think all the time I'm like, I would drink some of it. it sounds delicious. But to be honest, oh my gosh, if, if I, <laughs> If we could synthesize that, you know, <laughs> and like, like on True Blood where they'd have the fake blood, if I could get some fake adrenochrome 
my mouth to God's ears, you know? It would be amazing. But be all the people that That'd they say great. take it, they're like, Hillary Clinton is chock full of adrenochrome. I'm like, well, she doesn't look that young or like that beautiful. So like, it must not be doing what you say it does. So it doesn't work. Yeah, the Gary, Gary Busey just chugs his stuff. I'm like, <laughs> all right, all right, get out of here. If they were, you know, if they said Tom Cruise, okay, he looks great. I know he's Botoxed with an inch of his life and you know and halfway there's some people who truly paul rudd some people just haven't aged in the last like 20 years it's wild right paul rudd do you think he's a i mean i feel like he's like a, a vampire or, or pharrell i think of pharrell a lot yeah he, Have, he is like eternally young you know there's some photos i've seen because of course i do follow some like wacko conspiracy theorists online because you know yeah. it's fun and it's entertaining so entertaining and there's like some videos i've seen where they take pictures of current day celebrities and then someone from the past and they look freakishly similar of course there's that one of taylor swift and like the satanist that looks like her um and there have been some where it looks exactly like pharrell tom cruise all of these people throughout history but then sometimes i wonder oh maybe you're just drawing that celebrity to make it look like it's an old-timey photo but it's a fun idea right or you know oh can you believe this this satanist was a white woman that was yeah i can yeah <laughs> i'm not shocked I met yeah, a few. Some crazy blonde uh, lady with like high arched eyebrows. Yeah, That's like all of them. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, did you hear the theory they came? Well, it's not a theory. It's a, they did a study about doppelgangers. Did you hear about this? No, tell me. Okay. So they did. And, I'm, and it, it's, it's an actual, I'm not pulling this out of thin air. It's an actual study they did. They were trying to look at, okay, the whole doppelganger phenomenon, meaning someone who you're not related to, but they look like your exact double or they look a lot like you. Yeah. So they did this study. They, they compared all these genes and all this DNA, all these different continents. And they found that more than likely, if you have a doppelganger, you're related somehow, even if it's like distant in the past, you're related to that person somehow. That's why you look similar. And it kind of makes sense, you know? I believe it. When I was in middle school, there was a girl named Emily first, and we looked so much like each other that we would switch seats to confuse our homeroom teacher sometimes, and she wouldn't notice. And I was home like a couple months ago, and my mom and I were going back through the family tree, and we realized on my grandfather's side, two generations ago, their last name was first, the same way hers was spelled F-U-R-S-T. I was wow. like, oh, maybe we were kind of related. Like, who knows? You never know. Yeah. That's that's crazy. And there's a lot of them too, um, like Nina Dobrev and Victoria Justice, Katy Perry and Zoe Deschanel. There's so many doppelgangers in Hollywood. And did yeah, and I, I'm just reminded they did a they did a genealogy thing, and Celine Dion and uh, Madonna related somehow. Oh, that's cool. Did you hear that one? I haven't heard and of then, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like just maybe like fifth, sixth cousins or something. Oh, I like it. I don't know. I guess. I guess the Chaconis went down to uh, Canada or up to Canada. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. But, can, you know, think about Canada, Detroit. It's close. I get close it. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Close enough. Um, I wanted to ask you, too. You you are in New York City right now, correct? Yes. Okay. I haven't been in a couple of years. I miss it very much. I used to go all the time. I used to record a lot. I used to do shows. I used to, you know, um, go to Broadway shows, all those things, you know. Yeah. Um, I do miss it. Um, and so I want to know what is your, you have, a, everybody has a favorite pizza and that type of thing, Ooh. but what is your favorite like go-to meal there? You know, I do love a good slice of pizza, but there's this, um, 
cafe down the street from me in the West Village, the bus stop cafe. And I started going there because a lot of people think it's in a Taylor Swift lyric where she's singing. I thought Ooh. I saw you at the bus stop. I didn't, though. And it is pretty close to where Carly Kloss used to live in the West Village. But I love just like an old West Village neighborhood joint that hasn't changed in 20 years. It's got like a little bit of diner food um, because, I mean, you can get good food anywhere in New York, but I've lived That's all true. over the country. And I got to say, when I'm paying like 30 bucks for a cheeseburger or a plate of pasta, there's a little bit of sadness in you when you eat it. You're just like, I, I know how much these ingredients cost and it's certainly not $30. It's good. But this is like unrealistic. This is crazy. And so many places right. nowadays that do that. Yeah. I mean, even I feel like fast food now is like I know. $20. I know. It's just, um, it's, and you said you're in, um, you're down in Florida. I'm from Florida, but right now I'm in Phoenix and it's uh, unbelievably hot and yeah. I'm ready for the fall. And I hear that. You know, yeah. But yeah. I used to live down in St. Pete and Tampa area and I, oh, okay. I love Florida because I think it's like Florida is like 10 different places all in one. And you forget about that mm -hmm. until it's election season. But really just you drive an hour anywhere and you're like, I could be in a different state right now. Right. It's very, it's like everything all, you know, the movie, everything all at once. It's like that, yeah. you know, it's like everything at once. Like I never forget. I had a, um, <laughs> I was in kind of near Miami and it was this music conference and it was in between um, panels and I'm standing at like a Seven Eleven, and I'm just standing there. I saw a Cuban guy walk out with a Cuban, like a metal chain. I saw a Hasidic Jew walk out. I saw a African-American guy. And then I saw, it was like, you know, United Nations just in the middle of, and I'm like, that's, that's pretty accurate very in the much. best way possible. And you always, I love you it. always see something too. Like my friend and I, we used to mm -hmm. carpool to work together and we would die at the people that we saw because people are notoriously bad drivers in Florida. You, like, you just have to expect yes. it when you're there. And the two craziest things we saw once on the way to work, we saw somebody who was holding a bong in between their thighs and smoking out of it while driving. And then we wow. saw one person who was, re and you would think that the bong would be the worst one. We saw someone who was reading a book while driving. I'm like, that's worse than mm. texting, like a full on paperback on the wheel that they were looking at. And I was like, only in well, Florida. I hope it wasn't like war and peace or something. You know? <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, I don't know, but I was just <laughs> like, all right, you go, you're always entertained in Florida, no matter what. Absolutely. Now, if you had to read a book while driving, let's say it was life or death, mm. what, what would that be? I think Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, a.k.a. anyone who thinks that Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss had a little something something going on. That book is like our Bible. It was so it would either be that or uh, that or like really beach read junk food alien erotica like something that wouldn't make me sound intelligent or be proud to say at all like i love a book that feels like a junky tv show me too now, are you a fan of like the celebrity um autobiography or biography that type of book i will i just listen to everything on celebrity memoir book clubs podcasts although i mm -hmm. have heard of a few like i heard jessica simpson's book is totally worth the read but it really goes across the spectrum because some celebrities bear all and then other celebrities have the entire thing ghostwritten and you can tell right i i will say because sometimes people ask me nate what are the best books like that you've read slash's book is just insane ah, okay because he talks about um having heroin withdrawals and seeing 
the aliens from the movie Alien in his bathroom oh. before the movie came out. <gasps> I mean, he was like, like the craziest, the best stories. And I, I think, you know, this is before Guns N' Roses got back together, but just amazing. It was an amazing book. I love that. Wow. Um, and did, did you read Scar Tissue, Anthony Cadillas's book from Red Hot Chili Peppers? I, I did, and it, would you recommend that one? I'll put that in my I mean, list. he gets very raw in it, but it also is a little bit creepy because he talks about how he, like, had sex with 14-year-old girls and things like that. You know, everything that rock stars were doing back in the day. So it's this experience of being like, wow, he's really telling us everything, and then being like, right. that's sick. <laughs> Yeah, like was I think in that book does he talk about like I was in Cher's bed when I was like thirteen or something? Oh, I don't know if it, yeah. I, but yeah, he was very young and like his he would sleep with the same girls that slept with his dad, just like a bunch of crazy stuff, crazy. Yeah, and I feel really conflicted with people like that because like I love like Under the Bridge is one of my favorite songs. Mm. I love um, Give It Away Now. Uh, that's one of my <laughs> I love that yeah. song. But there's like, God, I know he talks about like being with these young girls. And then you have like David Bowie, who I love. And, you know, like I was listening, Rosie O'Donnell was on Howard Stern. And I was listening to her and she talked about, um, she didn't want to talk. To, and, I, and I totally get it. I wouldn't want to talk to Woody Allen either. Cause I watched that documentary. I think he's an absolute predator. Yeah. And, um, I'm, I'm of the, I guess, I don't know if it's minority. I don't, I'm, I kind of am on the, I don't really think maybe Michael Jackson is guilty based on some things I've read um, and I've asked around and they said, no, but, but then she said, I didn't want to talk to Michael, but I was best friends with David Bowie. So I, I feel con conflicted sometimes, you know, like art and art and behavior. And where do you, I know, where, where do you feel about that? You know, like, cause it's hard, it, especially, I feel like any rock musician from like 1955 to like, I don't know, 95. It's like, they probably were doing stuff like that. So I don't know how to feel sometimes. It is hard. And I think it's, I think it's a little bit easier for us. Right. Cause you could be like, well, I'm just going right. to stream it on Spotify. Um, but mm -hmm. having to be friends with someone like that, I don't know. It's just, yeah. Like I, I don't like Woody Allen, but if he put out a new movie, I would probably watch it on Hulu if I could, you know what I mean? So, right. but it's also, I don't know. I do feel conflicted too. And I think the Michael Jackson thing is something that I need to dive down because I've watched all of mm -hmm. the evidence about stuff saying that basically he did it. And it's right. just, I mean, it's creepy to say the least. At the very least, like, you know, yes. he's sending faxes to a young boy saying, I miss you. It's just like all of this stuff where like, you know, if you're not going to say that they were molested, you have to give grooming. Um, but right. I, I also haven't, I know that there's like podcasts that are four hours long saying that he did nothing wrong. And I haven't looked into that yet. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I It is hard. Yeah, I, I think in his case, you know, and I've, I've talked to people about it. What does interest me is um, I know Antti's talked about Anthony Pelicano, who was a big private eye that these celebrities hired, especially like in the late 80s, early 90s. So I think famously and I and I think this is like the perfect Ryan Murphy show if he ever made the show. Mm. But where they would like because. I just think about like the stunt casting where you would have Elizabeth Taylor, Michael Jackson, Sylvester Stallone, Rock Hudson, all these people. I mean, it would just forget it. the Emmys were last night, but you might as well just preemptively give Emmys out for the show because it would just be. Uh, but he was this private eye and his claim to fame was he tapped a phone and found Elizabeth Taylor's um, 
husband's um, body that someone stole, you know, and then from there, people said, hey, I need I need to get um, information on somebody. They would hire Anthony Pelicano and he would he would tap people. He was kind of like if you ever watched Better Call Saul, mm. um, he was the Mike, but in Hollywood, he was like the fixer guy, you know? Yes. And I know that Michael hired him for a time. And during the um, allegations the first time, um, that he got people on tape saying they were paid by the Inquirer. And so they kind of had to recant their statements. Ah. And there's, some, there's some other things that, that point to, uh, at least in, uh, you know, if, and if they had something else, you know, I'm, I'm open to changing my mind, but as of now. Um, but they also had a thing, I know for a fact, Tom Cruise hired, uh, and this is public, I'm not being a conspiracy guy. I know he hired Anthony Pelicano to tap um, Nicole Kidman's phone and her lawyer's phone, I think when they're getting divorced. So, man, I really want that to be a show or him to write a book or something, because that would just be... That would be such a good like HBO series. I would be all over that. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it was just Tom or all of Scientology used... Um, this guy, but yeah, he would tap everybody's phone and then know like when they would have mediation or meetings, he would know what the lawyer, the other lawyers, <laughs> the opposing counsel's defense was already. And he'd be like, okay, we're going to do that. Cause I know your strategy and yeah. it's just crazy, you know? God, and um, wouldn't every, I'm, I mean, you know, you hear different blind items and stuff about Elon Musk bugging Teslas that he gives to people and listening to conversations. Oh, that's, I'll never buy a Tesla just because I, I'm afraid like, what if, you know, not that I would do anything crazy in a car, but I don't want that guy watching me or whatever. Isn't that great? But you know what? Like, I have to say, like, if I had the power, I would totally be bugging all of my ex's phones. I would love to hear everything that they were saying. So I'm like, right. I'm like, oh, they're horrible, but I'm not better than them when it comes to that regard. <laughs> right, right. <gasps> what would you bug their car, their dashboard? Uh, depends. Depends what our history right. was. I think I might... <laughs> <laughs> depending on your mood there right? we go yeah depending on if i wanted yeah. to have my feelings hurt or not right um i gotta look at my notes okay i before i before i forget because i don't think this has gotten enough coverage um and i know you you were at ucb for a while right yeah yeah okay um what was i want to know what that experience was like before i get into this question because i've heard so many great stories about it and um, Amy Poehler and, you know, yeah, it um, was great. I mean, I only took a few classes there. I, I was at mm -hmm. second city for a long time training. Um, but upright citizens brigade, I think I just took like a one Oh one and two Oh one class. And they were a little bit, some of these training centers are a little bit annoying where even though I had been teaching comedy for years down in Texas, mm -hmm. when I came to New York, they were like, but you haven't taken our one Oh one class. So we don't know if you're advanced enough. And you're like, okay, I guess I have to spend like six weeks taking this class to then move forward to the other class. Um, but it seemed like they had a good thing going. And then I know, obviously I think around COVID they had to shut down for a bit and that kind of, I think a lot of people were out of a job. Oh my gosh. I can't, you know, I know people on Broadway and stuff, and I cannot imagine yeah. what everybody's, I, hopefully it's better now. Um, I would love to see, I know there's a new play with Denzel and um, uh, somebody else, some other big actor. I, John, uh, no, um, I was going to say Oscar Isaac. It's not Oscar Isaac, but somebody else. And um, I'd love to see that play. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite things is I saw James Gandolfini and um in a play like probably a year or two before he died and it was just amazing so 
I, I, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, Broadway gets back to what it was. But what I was going to ask you before I forget, what do you think about this um, Horatio Sands lawsuit? Have you heard about that? No. T- tell me what oh, happened. Oh, okay. So, oh, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm dropping news on Yeah. You. Okay. <laughs> All right. So last year, I, maybe like six months ago, this Jane Doe filed a lawsuit against Horatio Sands of Saturday Night Live. People don't know. He was on Saturday Night Live. Um, and she said that he groomed her online and invited her to the show. And then they started uh, sexting and having, inter- and she was, I want to say 16 or 17. She was underage mm. for sure. Um, and he invited her to the after party. And so it was this club in New York where, you know, for people that don't know, after every episode of Saturday Night Live, they have an after party and it, it goes to like, I don't know, five in the morning. And it's and, legendary too. I think just like all right. celebrities come and crazy things happen. Right. Um, ever since like 74, whenever the show, 77, I think is when Saturday Life started. So it's been going on since then. And she says in her lawsuit, and she has compelling evidence to back it up, but she was at these parties. He groped her. He did inappropriate things to her in the presence of like Jimmy Fallon um, I think she says that Tina Fey saw and she said, geez, how old is she? And then left, like, didn't really want to kind of gave Horatio a dressing down, but also didn't intervene. Yeah. Um, and then I think Amy Poehler might have. She said Amy Poehler might have been there. I don't I don't quite remember that. But she said um, she was a Jane Doe and said this inappropriate stuff happened that people on the show knew happened last week or maybe. It was, no, it was two weeks ago. She filed um, another part of the um lawsuit and she added lauren michaels to the lawsuit she added jimmy fallon she added i want to say i think she had tina fey just saying that they knew what was going on because she talked to lauren she talked to tina she talked to these people wanted like she wanted to be a writer so she got like writing advice from them and they for sure knew she was underage and i i the rumor is that that might be why lauren michaels is stepping down in a couple years um I feel like he would be stepping down no matter what, because he is getting old. When I saw him at the Emmys last night, he like couldn't say more than a couple sentences without like wetting his yeah, lips and I, stuff. I was like, he's going to die. <laughs> I've heard he wants to do till the 50th and then he wants to step down. Uh, like, yeah. Okay, that's enough. But I mean, yeah, I um, think comedy has just been notoriously a really a place where like the lines are blurred and never in a good way. It's never blurred in the sense of, mm-hmm. oh, should we do the soup kitchen tonight or something else? You know, it's like always blurred for young women. And um, yeah, I mean, I had some experiences as a young intern, always with male comedians, always way older and completely blurring the lines. And I know it's such a stereotype, but I do feel like so many male comedians do come from this thing of like, oh, I was different growing up. And that's how I found the comedy because I became an observer. So I was so different. And I do think the way that you view yourself in childhood and high school, it kind of stays with you no matter how famous you get. And I don't know. I feel like there is that sort of weird power dynamic. I mean, you know, and I hate to single out like one industry or one gender, but it just feels like if you're rolling the dice on a male comedian in Hollywood, like they probably have so many skeletons in their closet. Right. I mean, you don't hear about like um, Nikki Glaser hitting up some guy. Do- you know, it's, it's, Never. it's all men, you know? Yeah, it's not even it's like a- Amy Schumer and everybody hates her. 
Okay, what? She stole. I don't, which I don't understand. I don't understand. Can uh, that? I think it's like I, joke stealing and and um. Okay. Things like that. that. That's that's at least the what I've heard about it. But it's just like so many of these male comedians, like Louis C.K. has done so much rotted stuff. And oh my god, I don't know. And I have to imagine too with Tina Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, it's probably one of those things. I'm not excusing it. Like they should have done something. No, but it's no, such no. a boys' club there that you know that if they saved that girl that night, they wouldn't have been on the show next season because all the guys would have been like, "Let's get her out of here. We can't have her around." Right. And maybe they're like, well, they must have checked her ID at the door and she just looks young. And, you know, I don't know. I wasn't yeah, there. I can't it's say. probably that, you know, you want to have that plausible deniability. But um, I don't know. It's just like it's sick. So I'm going to have to read through that lawsuit. But like definitely yeah. standing with Jane Doe on that one, because like I just imagine. Yeah, it's very like, you know, I, I, I believe all the victims, you know, yeah. uh, for sure. Unless it's like a total something comes out later on and. um but, uh, you know, 99% of the time I do, or I, I would say 100%. Has, uh, but, has he responded yeah. to the lawsuit? Like said any, you know. They had the, you know, normal, like, word salad, like, this is frivolous. and um, Yeah, typically everyone says the same thing unless it's Kevin Spacey and then he hits you with the, and I'm gay, you know. <laughs> typically everyone has uh, the yeah, same like, response. Oh, we didn't know that, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, know. get out of here. What? <laughs> oh, I'm shocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, uh, Shannon, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for this having has been me. A blast. Um, maybe we can do it again sometime. I, I'm sure my audience will have questions for you. Um, yeah, uh, please uh, plug your show and, and your website and everything. Yeah, we're just uh, one word, fluently forward, anywhere. You can look for it. We've got a website, podcast, Patreon, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, oh my God, we're freaking everywhere. YouTube, all of it. So um, yeah, if you want to hear any episodes about blind items, we usually take it TV show by TV show, but we cover a little bit of everything. Thank you so much. Uh, this was Shannon. Ignorma, and we will see you next week. Thanks. Thank you so much for being on the